I think that failing is the process of rooting us out of complacency all the time. Hello online world, this is Off The Record with Mix Bustos and for today's episode, we get talk to one of my favorite coaches of all time. This Coach Tab Baldwin. I first became a fan of Coach Tab when he went here to the Philippines. A straight uh, out of his stint from overseas and uh, to coach Giles Pilipinas. I've always been a fan of his principles, of his coaching style. And to be honest, I got to interview Coach Tab a couple of times already for my show sa ANC Game Time. And I've always been at all on what he brings to interviews. And uh, this time around, we're gonna get new realizations from him as a leader, as a coach, especially during this time of pandemic. And uh, hope we all learn more from Coach Tab. And here is that interview. Coach Tab, I just want to ask you first: How are you? How are you doing? Doing okay. Um, you know, probably like uh, the vast majority of people. You know, fighting the boredom, trying to make as positive use of the time that uh, we are given, and. You know, a lot of times in today's world, we complain that we don't have time. It's one of the luxuries that that exists in the modern world. And uh, it's not a luxury anymore. We have plenty of time. So mm. trying to make positive use of it and uh, do things that are going to be better for me. Mm. Now, Coach, personally, uh, for my blog and my podcast, um, I want to go beyond basketball. Uh, I, I never forget our first conversation when you guessed it on my show. And we talked about uh, the differences, of course, of having that, of international basketball, to Philippine basketball. But I knew instantly that this all comes from something, maybe deeper than our experiences. But then, Coach, I want to start first with this question. Um, of course, I want to learn life lessons from you. Uh, being a basketball, uh, being a big influence to basketball, and relating to life, Coach Tab, what is your definition of success? I think success is is um, probably an overrated term. Um, I've often talked to people about the concepts of success and particularly failure, and I think that we strive too hard in life to be labeled a success i think that you know life is a journey i don't think it's a destination i'm one of those people that believes that and therefore i don't believe that success is an ultimate goal i think that when we finish this life it's left for other people to talk about whether we were successful or not i think the way that I look at success, I, I see it as, as an ongoing um, goal to be succeeding in whatever I'm doing. And that means that you're always challenging the results, the short-term results of what you're doing against failures. Because I think that most of the time we live in a competitive world. Most people are competitive people and we're experiencing both quite frequently. And I think the second that we stop and say, ah, I'm a success, is the second that everybody else catches up. And you won't be too long where you'll be trying to figure out why you don't feel so successful anymore. And it's because everybody else was continuing on. They were, they were continuing their constant battles against the failures that we incur in life and the lessons that we learn from those. 
so you know for me the definition of success is is to take what is in our hands each day and try and make the most of it and realize that tomorrow's a new challenge and and we shouldn't rest on whatever we achieve today and we shouldn't be defeated by whatever failures that we experience today because those are then the building blocks of the next good day and mm-hmm. and that's that philosophy has kind of served me well in many regards coach coach that you mentioned uh, the word failure uh, can you expound more on how is failure and disappointment a key ingredient to where we want to be not necessarily success but to achieve our goals well as much as we all dread the word complacency wouldn't it be a wonderful place to live i mean if we were all complacent it means we would all be satisfied we would all be comfortable we would all be maybe happy with where we're at and that's what leads to complacency well i think that failing is the process of rooting us out of complacency all the time you know because it, it it's it's almost a natural state to try to get to a point where we relax i think if if anybody is challenged not anybody maybe michael jordan maybe an exception but most of us if we're given two pathways and we're saying oh, this is the tough road and it's straight up to the mountain top you might get there faster but there's going to be a lot more bruises and bumps along the way and here's the easier road where you go around the hill it takes a little bit longer but you know you're not going to stress yourself you're not going to be in pain i think most of us would choose that route right and we're all choosing the route of probably least resistance because we prefer the complacent more relaxed tactical approach to life but the reality is that the failures are going to come no matter what because we're always influenced not just by our own actions but the actions of other people in our lives the stimulation the influences and these sometimes can lead us off the path where we slip and fall and as soon as we do that you know i think the vast majority of us we want to get right back up and we want to figure out why that happened and how we can get back on this road to feeling good and enjoying life and 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 taking life each reasonable step at a time and um and then there are those you know few of us who really want the challenge of going straight up and they're going to fail too you know it's going to hurt them too but uh the same process is probably at work you know when they slip and fall they're just going to get back up and continue the fight hopefully smarter and um hopefully with some lessons that aren't too painful that you know that aren't so painful that they discourage us um and i think that's the way most of us live life you know we uh we react we respond to yes. the failures that occur in our life coach that can we talk about uh this aspect in terms of coaching when we talk of the phrases winning is coach winning coach but what does it really take for you to win games from your experience coach uh since history began have you also uh, dealt with numerous failures before you began to realize that yes i'm winning now uh, absolutely 
you know, I think that it's very easy for me to reflect on my career in terms of the failures because there's plenty of them. I think I've been fired from four, five, six jobs over the course of 40 years. Um, probably, maybe even more. I don't know. Um, and, you know, while I can probably in some cases look for reasons that it would have been better to keep me in that position, the ultimate decision was to release me, to fire me, and move on for those organizations. And I had to take each of those as a failure. And I had to, instead of trying to make excuses and look for why it was somebody else's fault, I had to look at those situations, no matter how badly I felt, and, matter, and no matter how wrong I felt the decision was, I still had to evaluate them in terms of what could I do better? What could I have done better? And take that into the next role. So it's, it's easy to characterize a career in coaching in particular over 40 years where you're still working as a success, but it hasn't been, you know, nonstop successful outings, nonstop successful games, not stop successful results. And so I think, you know, I take all of the losses and I take all of the failures and I try not to say that they characterize me, nor do they characterize my career, but they are certainly integral to the challenges that I've faced along the way of trying to improve my career, trying to improve my performance. And I think it's only in recent years where I've really begun to dedicate my performance instead of to myself and to my record, I've started to dedicate it to my players. And, you know, I've been very vocal about this in my time here in the Philippines. But, you know, now I see my successes through the eyes of my players' satisfactions and the, the attainment of their goals. And it's a great joy now to see my players celebrate victories, celebrate uh, achievements. And, um, you know, that's going to think keep me going a lot longer than just another win or another championship. Why, Coach? What was the turning point in that mindset? That um, Was it only recent that you had, had this um, realization that I will dedicate this more to my players? What triggered that? I don't think it was a um, moment in time. I don't think it was a, you know, one day I woke up, and whatever the circumstances were, I, I made a decision. I think it was an evolution. But I think that that evolution was accelerated uh, when I was given the role at Ateneo. And I realized working with younger players that there was so much more at stake than just championships and wins. You know, there was their futures. There was their dreams. Throughout most of my career working with pros, there was always the, uh, the battle that went on between uh, their personal goals to elevate their stock and get better contracts for themselves, for their families, and you know how I had to manage that process and incorporate that within a team. And you know sometimes it was very difficult to do with some players. But when I got with the amateur players, it really became almost all about that. Because 
the amateur players were so willing and so uh, devoted to the university and devoted to their teammates and devoted to the team. There's, there's very little uh, falseness about the younger players. Uh, there, there's no hidden agendas. They love the game. Uh, they, they just want to play the game, you know, the best of their ability. Um, but they have dreams. And so, you know, for me, uh, they carried the mantle of team success very well. So it was a lot easier for me to focus on their success. And I think the more I did that, the more I understood why I love dedicating myself to coaching. Uh, it was for the players and not for the games and not for the accolades and not for the record. Where is Tab Baldwin now? What, is his, what are his goals now? I don't think I live my life according to goals anymore. You know, I had goals when I was younger. I always wanted to be a EuroLeague coach. Uh, I never made it. Um, came close, uh, interviewed for a EuroLeague job, uh, but never made it. And um, that's okay because I think in retrospect, I've, I've lived a very blessed life. And uh, I've had a wonderful coaching career. But where I am now is uh, I'm in a great place. You know, I, I, I love the job at Ateneo. I, again, not being driven or motivated by championships or wins, the fact that it's been three in a row is irrelevant to me. It, it could be four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in a row. It's not what I'm after. Um, so the accumulation of those or not is not going to define how I feel about my job and, and what I'm doing. I think the quality of young players that I've become more and more associated with is going to define how I feel about my job day in and day out. Having said that, uh, the fact that now um, I have the opportunity to work with Gilas on the program for 2023 Uh, it's very exciting. It's, a, it's different than coaching games and coaching a team. It's about building something. And we can say it's about building a team, but I really believe that it's about building a legacy for Gilas, not for me, for Gilas. I believe it's about building something that is sustainable in terms of its structure, in terms of its operations, far beyond me, far beyond the initial group of players, initial group of coaches. Uh, I'm hoping we can build a template that is going to work for the, the Philippine basketball landscape because it's a difficult landscape to work in. It's different than any place else. So I think we have to tailor it as best we can to serve all the masters that we're trying to serve, you know, the players, their goals and dreams, the PBA, Uh, their directives and, and, and their reason for existing. Uh, Gilas and their goal of trying to become a legitimate contender on the world stage. Um, all of the university competitions that we have to engage in this process. So we're serving, we're trying to serve a lot of masters and, and it isn't going to be easy. It's a great challenge, but it's a very worthwhile one. And I think if we ultimately can get it right, tripping up, failing, having our problems along the way, if we ultimately can get it right, we're going to give the players, 
and the people of the Philippines something special because we're going to put the name Gilas in amongst other great basketball nations in the world. And maybe we will only stick our nose in there and it will fall out and come back in. Maybe we will, you know, blast our way in there like the New Zealand team of 2002 did for me. And, you know, they've since maintained their posture on the world stage. Um, that remains to be seen. But the point is that I want Serbia, I want Lithuania, I want the United States, I want Australia, I want China, that when they say Gilas, when they know they're going to have a game against Gilas, it's serious. They have to prepare. They know that this team is coming to town to do business. When we achieve that, then we count ourselves amongst the elite. And then results will come. You know, ultimate results, who knows? But results will come. And I think that's a fantastic challenge to be a part of that. And I think it's a, a great goal for our basketball hierarchy to try to achieve. But coach, can you talk about uh, the term coaching is a thankless job? Uh, I say this because like uh, maybe it may be a global maybe a common, you know, um, notion or maybe impression that when teams win, the players are the bida, are, 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 are on top. But then when teams lose, it's the coach's fault. But what, does it, what is the process like for, for you as a veteran coach to go through this process, you know? Well, I hate that saying that, you know, coaching is a thankless profession. Um, every day of my life, I'm trying to give back to the sport of basketball. I'm trying to thank the sport of basketball for all that it has given me. I didn't play the game that long. Uh, you know, I, I was frustrated as a high school senior by my father, of all people, who was also my coach, who basically just slammed the door on me playing basketball beyond high school. He said, no, you're not good enough. You have to prepare yourself to get out in the world and, uh, you know, make a profession for yourself, uh, get a good degree and, and uh, be ready to be able to take care of a family. That's going to be your most important lot in life. And uh, so I was frustrated that I didn't get to play the game that long. Now, I did get back into the game after a very short period of time as a coach. And I still feel after 40 years of coaching, that just in that very short time that I was blessed to play the game, at the high school level, mind you, that I don't think there's enough I will ever be able to do in terms of serving the game, serving my players, serving the people that you know, fund the game, like MVP, who it's amazing what he does for basketball. Amazing. How much work can I do for these people, these entities? to thank them for that short period of time when I was allowed to wear a uniform, represent a school, hear the roar of the crowd. I carry those memories with me and will carry them all the way to my grave. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm busy giving back all the time. I'm busy saying thank you. I'm busy saying what a blessing that 
my time, my life has been in this game. I think that that saying may stem from, and, and believe me, I've felt it at times, you know, when I've been fired and I thought unjustly, I'm, wow, this is a thankless job, you know, all the work that I've done and, and, you know, this is what I get. But that's part and parcel of, of how this industry operates. And once you've been in it a while, you, you, you know that. And nobody has a gun to my head and says, I have to coach. If I can't handle that heat, then I should, you know, go uh, drive a truck, mm -hmm. um, be an accountant. You know, there's no heat doing that. I should go do those things. Uh, the fact that there is heat and sometimes that heat burns me doesn't make it thankless. Um, every day I wake up and, and I can call myself a coach through my employment is a day that I am receiving much more than I am giving. So I'm blessed. Um, now in this, uh, um, we're under community quarantine. A lot of people are dealing with anxiety, you know, worry, of course, whether we're healthy or not, and whether the new normal is going to be um, the normal again. But uh, what is your advice now for us, for people in uh, battling adversity, battling anxiety, and learning through all the life lessons as an athlete, as a coach? You should eat right, exercise, take care of yourself. Don't be anxious. Be positive. Be strong. Confront the things that this world gives us as challenges. Hit them head on, and you will win. Are there going to be tragic stories? Yes. But if it stops us from living, because look what's going on in the world. We're all alive, but who's living? Nobody. Nobody's living now. We're all alive, but God didn't put us on this earth to be alive. He put us on this earth to live, to confront the challenges, and to better those challenges. So that's my advice. You're healthy, be healthy, be strong, take care of yourself, take care of your mind, and attack life. Go live, be happy, and fight for a better world. Don't be afraid and hide. So again, uh, insightful discussion. Again, Coach Tab, I learned a lot from you. And one of my favorite coaches ever, Coach Tab Baldwin, right here on Off The Record. Thank you guys for watching this video, and see you in the next episode.